I think the finish line of this game is awareness. Mm -hmm. Like I think at that moment you have won the game because really, in my opinion, true freedom and true sovereignty is constantly having the ability to choose, mm -hmm. but you can't choose when you're unaware. You are listening to the Not For Lazy Marketers podcast, episode number 485. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Not For Lazy Marketers podcast. I have a special treat today. I'm with my friend, coach, <laughs> whatever other title we want to give it. Cook the rest of my food person. <laughs> Snowboard yeah. buddy, yeah, yeah. George Bryan. We are together in Montana and I decided it would be a treat to record a podcast and kind of share the last six months transformation with his perspective because I've been working with him for six months and I've actually shared a lot on the podcast about different things and how much I've gone back into my business and worked on the delivery. And so I thought you guys would appreciate and the view from George, but also I told them my audience loves when we get really transparent. So yep. he's not going to hold back nope. <laughs> on sharing it from his perspective. And, and then we'll talk about a, the tactics of it as well. And we'll do a part one and a part two. So the, this is part one. It's on my podcast. And then part two will be on your podcast. We will drop on the mind of George show. Yeah. So, so. to get the whole thing. Which you should be tuning into both of our podcasts anyways. I agree. I agree. I yeah. think our recording cadence is getting more consistent and it always tends to lean to like good ideas or good outcomes or good content. So yep. make sure you're tuned into both so you can get all of the magic. All right. So let's talk about um, six months ago. So I started where here, let's actually tell the story really fast. Yeah, so, we have we have enough time. So yeah, let's let's yeah, do so, the whole story. So I was there's a place in Austin called Alive and Well where everybody goes who likes to be healthy. And George was there and I was there and I was sitting on the couch and we like passed each other and he's like, Are you Emily? And I was like, Are you George? Because <laughs> we'd seen each other's faces online and known yep. each other through friends. And so we ran into each other and that was like maybe seven, eight months ago, seven months ago. Yeah. And then we're like, let's do a podcast. And you're like, let's have you on the show. So then we did swap podcasts with each other. And after I did the podcast on my show, which you can go back seven months and find it. I was like, can I hire you? Yeah. <laughs> we, well, actually what happened is we ended the podcast. Yeah. And then you texted me and you're like, can I hire you? Yeah. And I was like, depends. <laughs> well, we should probably have a conversation first because yeah. I have no idea what you want to hire me about. But yes, that, that was. And then true my style you sent me like here it is and i was like all right i'm in yep, yep. <laughs> like next day <laughs> yep easiest easiest ever close ever yeah i was like oh okay well we're we're doing yeah. this then let's let's do it yeah let's go and at the time george didn't know that i was struggling <laughs> i wasn't like hey i really need your help because i'm struggling so historically my business the last 2 years has been rough in like july and august and so this year i'm prepping for that now but that I usually end up the last two years, I've ended up in a tougher spot, like just more stressed, a lot of pressure. It's usually timed with like something personal and then the business. And so that is when I hired you. It was like July. Yeah. Um, yeah. I feel like since this is going to be the, the raw and transparent podcast, I feel like I got catfished a little bit. <laughs> I feel like I got catfished a little bit. But I also think you knew I needed help. You're like, she's actually behind the scenes losing it. <laughs> I did. I did. I did know that. Maybe. Maybe I'm like an entrepreneurial medium at this point. Except that it's not 
psychic abilities. It's just pattern recognition that you can yeah. see from like a mile away. Uh, but yeah, I was like, oh, okay. Um, and I knew, right? Like I knew, like yeah. I, I can I can tell from the outside in almost any business what's happening, how it's working, yeah. where it's not. Um, but then, you know, like I'll, I'll start to open the hood a little bit, right? Yeah. And, and I feel like typically I open the hood like step by step and kind of we were driving down the highway at 120 miles an hour and it wasn't latched. So it just ripped off and it was all out there really quick. Yeah. And so I can tell you, I remember to send you my first like message when I was like, everything's really fine, but, but not fine. And I really hate saying this, but I'm just going to tell you anyways. Yep. <laughs> And just sharing, like, I don't even remember then what the struggle was. It was probably something to do with cash flow. Like, that that has been my stress it was, it the was last two pay, years. It was all yeah. payroll. Cash flow, payroll, and capacity. Yeah. So having a challenge and having a problem, but the solution to the problem would break you further and there was no capacity. And yeah. So it was like this stagnation, like, kind of stuck point where you were looking for a way out or a relief valve or an off gas or even some way to even regain any semblance of progress yeah. in any areas. And it just kept stacking and stacking. And the more it stacks, yeah. the less clearly you can see. So that's how I would describe it. Yeah. So how would you describe like when we first start, when I first started messaging you? Because I have changed so much in you, the last six months of my messages now from then. Oh my God. A thousand, a thousand percent. Um, very early on, what it felt like is that uh, for the first time, you had an outlet that felt like they could understand you and you could get it out without mm -hmm. it almost being annoying because mm -hmm. you've said it so many times, but nobody really, really gets it. So I think initially when we had talked and you had interviewed me on the podcast, you're like, oh yeah, I kind of knew of George, but I think he might know what he's talking about. Yeah. And then when I started listening and you felt seen or heard or understood the more that you got that back, the more you kind of felt safe enough to kind of like, for a lack of better terms, I like to use the analogy of like a, a polluted ocean, mm -hmm. right? Like if you're looking at it, you want to jump in that water so bad, but there's like seven feet of trash and you can't get in the water yet. So before you can like get in that water and like experience that refreshing, that relief, yeah, you have to kind of clear the clutter, yeah, right? And you got to like wash it away. And I feel like what happened in the very beginning was you, you kind of got to start verbally processing a lot of things that mm -hmm. you internalize and you take on because uh, one of the patterns that um, <laughs> took me about seven seconds to recognize <laughs> and tie to your childhood <laughs> with my non-psychology background and no qualifications outside of life experience <laughs> was when you got put under constraint, you add more constraint to try to get through it. Mm -hmm. And so you become an operator and it's just more, 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 go, go, go. And it clouds the judgment and just stacks more on. And so when you started messaging me, mm -hmm. you started like actually letting things out and you're like in this and this, and mm -hmm. you would start to talk yourself into clarity because mm -hmm. you had a sounding board and then I would ask a question or I would do boom. Yeah. And so in the very beginning, we we had, I, I could probably think about it and probably I'd say 30 to 40 moments that would almost be trigger moments mm -hmm. that um, presented themselves differently in different areas of the life or business that all had some similar foundation, uh, foundational thing or challenge or, or, or thing that needed to be iterated on. But as we continued, what would end up happening is the frequency of those triggers would decrease. Mm -hmm. And then when they would come up, your 
view and confidence around it and clarity around it would start to come with more solutions once you cleared off yeah. kind of all of the noise yeah. per se that was preventing you from seeing mm-hmm. the core functions in your zone of genius. And it was almost like we were clearing all of the space to kind of get back to the basics, yeah. right? Like to shrink for lack of better terms. One of the things I talk about and we'll talk about in the how of this is um, just to open the loop for all of you, that is called the Zygarnik effect, uh, is, is how, when in those moments, how you can set yourself up to win with some pre-work that maybe only takes 15 to 20 minutes once a year mm-hmm. that guarantees that when you get in that constraint that for the lack of better terms in the military term that we use is that you can shrink your world down to the first thing that you can intentionally control. Mm-hmm. And that was what allowed us to take those moments that yeah. felt like the world was ending and, yeah. and everything was there, knowing that the feeling is still there, right? Knowing that like, no matter what you say to me, no matter what we do, we're not going to get rid of the feeling. Mm-hmm. But we have to acknowledge that feeling, mm-hmm. acknowledge that it's there and not allow it to force us to react to it and yeah. then get in that operator mode. We have to practice that pause mm-hmm. and that wedge. And I think that's probably been one of the biggest hows per se yeah. that's had the most profound impact that yeah. I, I've seen at, at the foundation level. There's a lot of things above it, mm-hmm. but I think at like the very core yeah. of like the neurological levels of your brain or your paradigm or, or how you choose to see your world and your business, I feel like foundationally that shifted yeah. immensely. And it what it felt like to me is that you had an awareness that you wanted to do it different. You had this intention to do it different. And you would take the behaviors, right? Like you would start them, but because there was so much residue mm-hmm. sticking in, like there wasn't enough like momentum to trudge through it. And mm-hmm. then the more we started like clearing the complexity and clearing the overwhelm and clearing the drainers and reprioritizing your day and changing yeah. the order in which things were done and and focusing on like exacerbating your strengths while also kind of protecting your weaknesses and making sure that if we have to get into that bucket or get into that area of the business that doesn't necessarily fill us up or light us up, that we're setting ourselves up to win that when we do that, Mm -hmm. that we can execute it and not allow it to kind of permeate anywhere into our life or business that doesn't feel good. And I I feel like at the foundational level, that was one of the biggest things that I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. Because I feel like in those like that first month, my messages to you were very like, I can't do this. Like I'm panicky. Like I would wait until I get to that point and was so much more reactionary. Like yeah, I think that's been one of the biggest transformations for me. And then I've also been able to bring that to my team members. And I, I think too, what would be helpful for everybody listening is like, why don't you share some examples of like some of the things that you said? Because I think it's important to normalize how yeah. no matter what level of business you're at, whether you're trying to make your first thousand dollars a month, you're trying to make your first sale, or you're trying to scale to a million dollars a month. Yeah. I think it's really, really important. And so do you remember some of them? Yeah, and I can remember specifically yes. being in San Diego on a trip and I was with someone else and I was like, I'm fine to them, right? Like no problems. And then I'm like, I got to go for, I'm just going to go for a walk because I walk all, you know, I just got to do my workout. And I text George and I feel like I probably said something like, I am not okay. (laughs) Like, I can't do this. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm exhausted. And I was crying on the beach, like by myself messaging him. And you're like, 
I'll be right back. I'm putting my son to bed. And then you came back. And do you remember what you said after I sent all those? I don't. I can't. We we literally should pull it up. But you were basically like, shut the fuck up. Oh, yeah, yeah. I do remember now. (laughs) And you are the CEO of a million-dollar company. (laughs) Stop saying this shit and pull it together. And, like, that is honestly what I needed in that moment because I was in this, like – so, so victim state. Yeah. So what, 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 what really, really happened, right. Is that, um, one of the things, and I, I think this might be a little insight into like what I do and how I do it. And, uh, for people listening, like when I, when I coach people, I don't really consider myself a coach. I, I kind of consider myself like your family member, mm-hmm. like your teammate. Like I, I basically insert myself into your family tree is kind of how I see it. Right. And, and I think with everybody, you know, one of the, one of the things that, I focus so wholly on now our relationships with people, but I don't think a lot of people understand where that comes from. And since I don't talk about this often, I think it will lend itself to kind of that moment and and what I look for and like why that pattern interrupt potentially works. And, you know, when I was a kid, uh, you know, growing up pretty much homeless, uh, I wasn't living on my own until about 13, but I'd say from the moment I was, capable of like six years old to make my own choices. Food was on me. Bathing was on me. Like I, I was like very much like Lord of the flies in what would look like a normal household with drugs and everything. And so my, my life was relegated to how can I minimize the triggers in my life that cause damage to me? Cause if I say that I'll get hit. Mm. If I say that I won't, if I act like that way, I'll get hit. If I look that way, I won't. And so my my life was basically relegated to what I would consider trauma survival, right? But in that, one of the greatest silver linings in that was how deeply I had to pay attention to people. Mm-hmm. And now that I've healed that trauma and I've worked through those things and and by healing that trauma, I think it's important to understand that it doesn't go away. It's that I have a very beautiful relationship with it. Mm-hmm. It is a part of me. I love it. It still comes up, but I have the tools and the awarenesses to shift it in. And so in that, you know, when I get into helping somebody, what I look for is I look for the patterns. And I've been doing this for 35 years on my own and really like diving into awareness and work from mm-hmm. a leadership perspective since 2001, right? So we're talking about 22 years. And mm-hmm. so... Now I've gotten to a point with the personal development certifications and the training and the therapies and the modalities that I've gone through that, you know, I like to simplify things down to the principles. And and I know for me as an entrepreneur and as a human being in general, that like my limbic brain, like my subconscious brain, my reptilian brain is designed by default biologically to create stress that makes me not want to move Mm -hmm. and not want to change and collect evidence to keep me in that space. And so, yes, um, some people have called me the two by four of truth. Some people have uh, said that I need a motherfucking, for lack of better terms, that was coined by the incredible Vanessa Lau, um, who had a similar experience, but she was in Montana. And we had been meeting for hours and I just kept like, Hey, you can't say that. Like, Hey, you can't say that. Nope. We got to focus on this. And then finally I was like, all right, motherfuckers, listen. (laughs) And I like ripped a paper off the wall and I like dropped a book and I threw my iPad. Like, I'm so sick of this shit because you don't see how amazing you are. And then it went down in history. And then about a week later, uh, I got a Vox from Vanessa and I played it in front of my wife and she's like, this is going to sound so crazy, but I need you to motherfuck me again. (laughs) And my wife is like, 
explain please. And then I did. She's like, oh, that's good. Right. And so, you know, with, with you by no fault of your own, but just by osmosis in the container and the, and the environment of entrepreneurship, when you're operating in your grounded, present, intentional space, mm-hmm. we can navigate those areas so great and so easy. And we can see the stress and we can manage our capacity and we can manage our energy, right? All of that's great until the roadblock comes. Mm-hmm. And when the roadblock comes, it's a new trigger. It's something out of left field that we yeah. kind of subconsciously knew was coming because yeah. that's the, the default of entrepreneurship. Yeah. But it is a muscle that we never practice on how to handle it, exist with it, coexist with it, process it, explore Mm -hmm. it when it comes up. And so the default behavior every single time is one of two things. It's either to ruminate and collect evidence to try to justify a decision either way, leading to none because we won't move except we self-punish. We increase the emotions. We worst case scenario. Mm -hmm. Or the second is that we do the same thing, but we do it with action and we go immediate to an action to disconnect, right? Yeah. To, to, for lack of better terms for myself, what it was, was I don't know how to exist with this feeling. I don't feel good sitting here. I don't feel safe. I don't know how to hold it. Screw it. I'm going to the gym. I'm going to go record an email a podcast. Yeah. I'm going to go write an email. I'm going to go, you know, work, yeah. work, work. And both of those moments, they kind of exist in the same place. And the only thing that they need in either one of them, for lack of better terms, is for you to pull your ripcord, mm-hmm. right? For you to stop descending so fast and stop spiraling so fast and not change your behaviors, not change your actions, Mm -hmm. not go fix anything, but to just hit stop Mm -hmm. and just hit pause. And that is a muscle that is not trained. It's not conditioned. We live in an instant gratification society. We live in a world that at every moment, thousands of fucking times a day is conditioning us to now, 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 yeah. now, 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 yeah. no matter which way you slice it. Yeah. And that is the default muscle that is trained for every single human, but it is amplified and exacerbated for entrepreneurs. Yeah. And it's a muscle that if you neglect, will continue to atrophy and never work. And it only causes you emotional damage and emotional strain and clouds your decisions, which basically leads to creating undesirable permanent results based on a temporary feeling. Yeah. And so our job is to be able to recognize when those things are happening and find a pattern interrupt. And what I have found early on in the game, when you have new awarenesses, when you find new behaviors, when you find new patterns that maybe aren't serving you, they don't go away overnight. They've been in existence for 30 years, 35 years, two years, four years. And our job isn't to make them go away. It's to bring awareness to them So that when we get triggered, we have a new frame of reference to really put into perspective that trigger, but also where we're going and how this isn't necessarily real, Mm -hmm. how this isn't necessarily finite, how this isn't necessarily like the end of the world. Because I know hundreds of times a week, I think that the world is ending. Yeah. Like my business is gone. Like I'm going to wake up and have no money that mm-hmm. uh, you're going to discover out that I'm a fraud because I don't know what I'm doing. And I just say what's on my heart and it gets me in trouble sometimes, but work sometimes, yeah. right? Like that I'm going to lose all my clients that my next event isn't going to sell out. Like, am I even going to make money on it on the event that you and I are doing? That's going to just fucking blow people's minds with value and kind of convinced me to go into the treasure trove of what built billion dollar companies that I don't talk and teach about anymore. Yeah. But now we're going to teach. And I'm like, oh my God, like those thoughts are always there. Yeah. And I think what's so powerful and 
such a simple concept, not easy, but simple as an entrepreneur and even as a human being is recognizing that this isn't about getting rid of them. This isn't about changing this. This isn't about creating a world where we're flatlined. Mm-hmm. Because when you're flatlined, you're dead just for the record. And the moment you tell me you want ease and comfort, you're asking for death because yeah. that's what happens with your heartbeat. The modulation is what creates the human experience. The ups and the downs is what creates the perspective. The raw feelings and emotions on both sides of the coins are actually the things that allow us to do what we do to have this human experience. Yeah. And so it's about understanding that it's not about eliminating them. It's not about getting rid of them. It's understanding that they're guaranteed to come. Mm-hmm. So stop resisting them and welcome them so that when they come, you're in the driver's seat. Yeah. And if you get to a point in your life to where there are triggers that are going to come in that are overwhelming, that you can't catch on your own, that, that you might not be able to process on your own, and then you build tools and models and habits in your life so when those moments come up, you have the ability to mitigate it and shorten the time that you're living in that very low frequency, low vibration, very not good place, and at least have options to know that you have a choice. And if you do one of these three things, that it's going to help alleviate this or bring awareness to this or bring clarity to that, because then at that point, you have a choice. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, you have to be integrous with yourself. And it's a big perspective because I think a lot of entrepreneurs are also afraid to admit that we find comfort in the chaos, Yeah, that we find value in the things breaking, that we think that we're only valuable if it's breaking all the time or that we're only generating revenue if we're hustling all the time or no, no, they say hustle, 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 and I'll sleep and I'm dead. And, and there's a part of us that we have to acknowledge and recognize that we get a benefit out of that. Yeah, That benefit might not be serving who we want to be. Mm-hmm. That benefit might not be aligned with like the man I want to be two years from now. But in that moment, there is a part of it that's serving a part of me, that's providing relief, helping me, even if it's not from the best place. And in order to actually change it, at first, I have to be integrist to what I'm gaining yeah. from it so I can kind of solve that. And so for you... And knowing your personality and knowing your default, it's pretty easy in doing what I do to recognize that when things get stressful, you stack shit on your plate. Yeah. And then you use that stuff as milestones to collect evidence that you're doing something to change yes. the result that you're in, which also unfortunately predictably means that when things are coasting for you and feel comfortable you preemptively add complexity because you don't know how to operate when things are smooth. Yep. And so for you, you have a default trigger wound to intensity either way. You will mm-hmm. either overplan, yep. you will overanalyze, or you will overexecute. Yeah. And so for you, you need a pattern interrupt that when those feelings feel so real to you, right. like that's the only way and that's your default, You need something that just for a moment's notice can introduce a sliver, can introduce a pause, can introduce like a crack or a yield sign, not because I can stop you, not because I can change your behaviors, but the only thing that you actually really need to do in that moment is to change your awareness, to have an accurate view of the field that you're on, not the blinder view, the trauma view, the constraint view to where you can only see the challenges in front of you. Yeah. And it just so happens that 
part of you loves being told what to do <laughs> and you're very open about this. And I have very few people who do that. And so, so you don't have a lot of people that are honest with yeah. you and, and there. And so I tend to be gentle and I'm like, no, M, but what about this? And, and it wasn't a direct motherfucker. It was like, hey, but what about this? And what was happening? I kept going. <laughs> is you were coming at me in meltdown and then I would send you a one liner back and you're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then you'd come again with more evidence and then I'd one line you back. Yeah. And then you were like a, a closing attorney on like the biggest defense case of your life. And you're like, I am going to win this case. <laughs> and then finally, when I like had dissipated most of it, and then you just kept going, I was like, all right, motherfucker, listen, <laughs> I just put my son to bed. This is bullshit. Let me remind you of who the fuck you are, that yeah. you're a 28-year-old multimillionaire running an agency, scaling some of the biggest businesses in the world while raising three children while doing X, Y, and Z and doing this while simultaneously running like 75 hearts and kettlebell challenges <laughs> and like blah, 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 blah. So just shut the fuck up and go look in the mirror for a minute. And that was basically the pattern interrupt. Yeah. And that's all I needed. And that, that one, that, that changed it from there, like moving forward. And so one of the biggest changes I've had is not getting to that. Like I'm not, I don't really message you reactive anymore. Nope. I'm much better at being like, Hey, this is going on. What do you think? Yep. And, and I think it's important to understand like, what's the goal here, right? And the goal is not perfection. The goal is not solutions. The goal is just progress, right? Yeah. So like even now there are thousands of trigger points that have existed in my life. And now most of them I don't see. They're not triggers. They're not there anymore. Mm -hmm. There's other ones that are constant at this like new evolution of growth, whether it's leading my team or focusing on my creation or giving myself space to fill my bucket. There are certain things that are like, oh yeah, that's present for me. I still get off kilter. I still get off tilt. And there's plenty of them that um, now I'll be like, oh, there's that pattern. All right, let's not do that one, right? Yeah. There's plenty that subconsciously have already fixed and eradicated themselves just based out of frequency of use mm -hmm. that it's become a default new habit or a default new ritual. But then there's plenty now that I won't catch until they come out of my mouth. Yeah. And then I'll be saying them and, I'll be, and I do this with you and I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. That's not what I meant. Or that was the victim way. Or wait, nope, that was only one side of the story. Yeah. Right? And you'll see me catch yeah. my pattern, right? But then there's other ones where you'll be like, hey, can I talk to you for a minute? And you're like, the other day you said this. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. Mm -hmm. I didn't catch that. Can you help me understand how it made you feel? And then in that moment, I have a new awareness that maybe I didn't catch it for three days or four days. Mm -hmm. But then the next time I might say it and before you bring it up, I'll catch it. And then I can say, hey, Em. Do you have a second, like I said this the other day and, and I, I feel like it might've made you feel this or it might've done this. And you're like, you're like, oh no, I didn't totally fine. I'd rather live that way. Or you're like, oh yeah, it totally did. And then I have more evidence of the awareness so I can recognize the pattern. So this is not a game of like, oh, I figured it out or it's this one right. task or it's this one way. It's a muscle yeah. to how we choose to think and what we choose to flex. And, and I think- this would be the spot to recommend a very good book for everybody around this, which would be foundationally one of my hows. Because I, I think at this point in my life, for the amount of people I've coached and what I've accomplished and how I've done it, I, I truly believe that I think the finish line of this game is awareness. Mm -hmm. Like I think at that moment, you have won the game. Because really, in my opinion, true freedom and true sovereignty is constantly having the ability to choose. Mm -hmm. But you can't choose when you're unaware. 
whether it's consciously unaware or subconsciously unaware, or if you want to use the Eisenhower matrix, unconsciously incompetent, consciously incompetent, right? Like no matter what, but it's when we find this awareness. So it's not like, oh, I have this behavior. Now that I found it, it's going to fix itself or, oh, I keep seeing this pattern. So now that I'm aware of it, it's going to change. No, 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 no. Your body might still have a default to when those things come up totally. to take that action. So now the work is recognizing when that takes over and not trying to fix it, not trying to change it, just removing one more piece that goes down that rabbit hole and one more piece that goes down that rabbit hole to yeah. where like emotional eating is a perfect example. I was bulimic for 15 years. Like I had a very unhealthy relationship with food and, and throwing up and, and all of these things. But now it's so funny because like last night when you and my wife went to bed, I mowed the fuck out of those cookies and some Enjoy Life chocolate chips. And at no point did I feel guilty. And I was like, I chose to eat those. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh man, but that was totally some emotional eating. And that is really not what I want to be doing. All right. Well, they tasted good. Let me have two more and then I'll go to bed and I'll get rid of them tomorrow. Yeah. And then I woke up this morning. You saw me in the <laughs> kitchen and what was I doing? You threw them away. But I wasn't upset about yeah. it. I wasn't mean to myself about yeah. it. I wasn't like, oh my God, I just gained 87 pounds in one night. Yeah. I was like, oh. The only way to move on from this is just to make a healthy choice because if I make this bad, if I make this wrong, then all I'm going to do is more of it. And then yeah. I will actually gain 81 fucking pounds. And I'm going to be like, I don't know why I gained weight. Yeah. And so I think it's an important concept to recognize that that in my opinion, based on the work that I've done and, and what I've invested in therapy and, and all of this stuff is that ultimately it's just getting the awareness and you're in the position of power because at that point, the only thing that's left is the level of integrity you have with the relationship with yourself and what you say and truly believe that you want. Mm -hmm. Because at that point, nobody is making choices for me. Nobody is making me do those calls, making me do those promos, making me take those meetings. I'm choosing to do all of them. Mm -hmm. So I can't be upset if I'm choosing those behaviors and they're not creating the results I want, nobody's going to come change it for me. Yeah. And contrary to what you wish, Em, I'm not going to come in and tell you what to do every time, <laughs> right? It develops this relationship where in that space, you learn how to start making decisions, realizing that there is no bad decision except the one you don't make. You're going to make decisions that work and you're going to make ones that don't work. You're going to say things that are aligned to you that might offend some people and might inspire some other people. Yeah. But the more that you practice it, the more you develop the confidence in self, because what I'd like to remind people of, and, and I've been assigning this to people lately, and I think this episode is just going to be a mixture of hows in the middle. So yeah. we'll just split it into yeah. two. But I think what's so powerful is the other day I had, a, I had a similar situation. About a year ago, I had this incredible client. This woman helps so many people heal from traumatic brain injuries and like heals the world. And I was just like, why can't you see it? Why can't you see it? And so I gave her a homework assignment. And I made her go take space by herself a day away. And I said, I want you to take a moment. And I just want you to think about the first moment in your life as a young girl where you felt strong or you mm -hmm. felt powerful or you accomplished something, whether it was uh, going to your first day of school on the bus or, or wearing that outfit that you were embarrassed about or competing in your first sports meet or winning your first game. And I was like, and I want you to go as early as I can, as you can. And I want you to write every single moment up until today. Mm -hmm. And then when you are done, I want you to record it in your own voice. And I want you to read the story of your accomplishments. And then mm -hmm. I want you to listen to it. You told me to do that and I didn't do it yet. I know you didn't do it yet. <laughs> and I think it's very, very important to understand 
that when we when we when we get in these moments, when we get in these situations, and this is like kind of turned into like the the therapist chair. I'm not qualified to do this, so this <laughs> is just my opinion. Um, but I, I I really really think that when we when we start to really dive into this, when we start to really really look at this, when we start to really really understand this, is that we've always been in the driver's seat, mm-hmm. right? But the world, our environments, the things around us, our stories, our past Mm -hmm. have conditioned us to believe that we're not. Mm -hmm. And that when we're living in that full constraint, it's not that you don't want to be different. It's not that you don't want to be better. It's not that you want to make a better choice. It's just simply the environment around you and your default operating network and the muscle that has had the most practice and the most flex yeah. just happens to be the one that takes over. And a lot of times it creates dissonance and frustration in people. And like, for me, what it used to feel like is like, no, I don't want to do that. I don't want to say that. I don't want to, to, to be that way. And then yet I was still creating that damage and it was, it was a struggle. It was a challenge. But what, what I failed to recognize is that I had the awarenesses, but I was operating with, there's still something wrong with me. Something mm-hmm. must be broken. There has to be more like, if I cause this damage, there still has to be something wrong with me. And my wife used to get extremely frustrated. And she's like, what you just simply don't get is that none of those things are true. And the only time you act like an asshole, for lack of better terms, is you believe what you did in the past is who you are. Mm -hmm. But truly, like in this moment, you could just say something different or be different, but you're ruminating about all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so it's those thoughts are dictating the words and the actions that you're taking. And so even though you have the awareness and you've healed the trauma, that default muscle just takes over. And I hadn't built anything in place for when that happened. How would I instill a new belief? What would my new pattern be? What was my new behavior? Because all I was focusing on was getting rid of the behaviors or getting rid of the thoughts that weren't ideal, but I didn't do anything proactively or preemptively to try to bring new ones in. Mm -hmm. And so I just think it's a, it's a pretty powerful concept. Yeah. Yeah. And I think for me, one thing I've learned is the way that I was like, was with that, just get it done and grind is what got me to a certain level. And then it was like, okay, well, that's why I can't get to the next level. And I've learned that so much over the last six months. And, and, and I know, this is your show and I forgive me for just continuing to go on these, these tangents. But, but I think that that's a super, super important concept. Um, just because there's things now that don't align, that don't feel good, doesn't mean at some point that they didn't. And at some point they didn't serve you. Mm-hmm. You grow as your business grows. Sometimes we grow faster than our business. Sometimes our business grows faster than us, but like, just like our business is changing every day. So are we. Mm-hmm. And this is a game about having gratitude for the things that got us here. Like, am I proud of my behaviors as a man up until five years ago? No, but those perspectives are what allow me to be the man that I am today. Mm-hmm. And am I proud of them? No, but do I love those parts of me and the fact that I kept working and kept investing in myself and healing the trauma and doing all those things? Yes. I have a very healthy perspective with the collateral damage that's caused with my old behaviors. Mm-hmm. But if all I do is sit here and beat myself up for them, all I do is create more of them. Yeah. And so that's a huge concept to understand because mm-hmm. as businesses grow, just like as people grow, our proclivities change. The amount of resistance needed to grow mm-hmm. has changed. The amount of recovery that's needed to grow 
changes, right? It's constant. Yeah. And so there's nothing wrong with those things that you did. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with the marketing mistakes that you've made by not having customer journeys and not having all of it, because by not having it, and now having awareness of how powerful it is too, mm-hmm. you'll never not have it again. Yeah. And so I think that is an important thing to celebrate is not looking at like, oh, I can't believe I don't have this or I did this or I created this. It's like, thank God that I did that. Because also look at all the things that I gained by trying those things and all the clarity that I got and all the lessons that I've mm-hmm. learned. Because now I'm looking at an accurate picture of like, yeah, when I do these, they no longer feel good and don't work in the business. At least I know that I'm not going to do it. But when I do this thing, yeah. this thing feels good and it works. Now it's time to double down like that. And I think this is an important time when I explain to entrepreneurs like what business looks like. I tell them it looks like a fucking Christmas tree. And they all challenge me on it until they get to this moment. They always have this inflection point, and typically it's when something breaks. But in the very early stages of entrepreneurship, no matter what it is, you typically have a passion for something you've either solved yourself or that you've seen as a capability to add value or solve something in somebody else's life because you can't get a business off the ground by being transactional. Mm -hmm. So I don't believe that most people, unless they're VC or backed by some big corporation or agenda, do. They all start for the right reasons. And so at the very beginning, you have the trunk, and the trunk is like, at the core, who you are, how you're going to help people and who you're going to help, right? And typically, we obsess about that in the beginning. How do Mm -hmm. I find my people? How do I help them? How do I add value? Boom, 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 right? And we get this edification that like, yes, this is where we're going to spend our time. This is working. And so the core of our tree is established and the roots go straight into the ground, right? And so then we're like, fuck yeah, I'm doing this. So then we get excited and we go wide right? And mm-hmm. that's where the first layer of our Christmas tree comes from. And we have to go wide because now we want to expand the message. We want to expand the reach. We want to, we want to penetrate new markets. We want to get into those verticals. And so we try a lot of things. And marketing is just taking educated guesses and continuing to guess and test until it works and keeping it until it no longer works. You're welcome. Yep. We just defined marketing for you, right? <laughs> and so then you go really, really wide. And in going wide, there are certain things that start to happen that really help the core functions of the business, right? Maybe you hire some team members and that's great. You increase your content production and that's great. You turn on paid media, that's great. But then there's some areas that are no longer working. That webinar funnel is no longer working. That lead magnet's not converting. We overhired here. The problem that happens is that what entrepreneurs tend to do is they look at that entire base of the Christmas tree and they're like, oh, but I need to keep scaling even though this yeah. is broken. So they try to grow the tree vertically to mm-hmm. look like a box top from that old movie House Party, mm-hmm. like a rectangle Christmas tree. And they forget the part where you have to trim back to the core yep. before you hit the next level. And, yeah. the, and these levels come both personally but they also come professionally. Yeah. And in entrepreneurship, they're almost predictable. It's typically your first six figures, you're half a million, you're a million, you're five, you're 10, mm-hmm. you're 25, you're 50, you're 100, you're 250, you're 500, and you're billion. Mm-hmm. Those are all systematically within 10% on both sides. The breaking points, and our dear friend Alex Sharfin breaks this down extremely well in his yeah. billionaire code. And it's the most spot on accurate representation. And so I think what's important and what you said is that when you're looking at what got you here, You get to audit it from a lens of gratitude, but you can really simplify it down to the principles of like, okay, cool. I know what moves the needle in my business, right? This is my queen bee role in the company. This is our company's queen bee role. These are our three needle movers of revenue generators. And so let's look at how we've been operating the business to get to this level. Now, in our behaviors, in our processes with our team, 
let's list out all the things that we're doing that are working. That's step one. Mm -hmm. Step two, let's list out all the things that we're doing that are not working, right? Yeah. And then step three, what are all the things that we want to do different that either improve upon what's not working or add something that we think might work? And then when you look at that, you do an audit and you're like, yeah, these things that are working, they're all directly contributing to the bottom line or the needle movers or the culture or the blank. These things that aren't working, we're like, oh, actually, we don't do that anymore. Oh, that needs this fixed. Oh, that's just missing this. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, oh, these are what we'll add. And when you look at that, you can also look at that from, oh, oh, well, if we removed these things, team capacity doesn't change. So let's bring these in as focuses and give somebody something to direct on. But if you ever get to a point where you've solved the things that are not working and you're looking at the things that you want to add, but your team doesn't have the capacity, well, now you have a crystal clear picture that if you add this thing, it has the potential to pull this lever. Yeah. So do you hire for it? Do you project base it? Do you part-time? So it puts you in this position of power. And just because you stop one thing or you stop one avenue or you change one behavior, it's not permanent. It's just for right now. Yeah. And if you've been in marketing long enough and it's been since 2009 for me, I've seen marketing cycles come around three times now at this mm -hmm. point. And I was like, oh, we're back again. Yeah. Here we go. Right. And so I, I think it's really, really important that when we ever get to a point where we feel like it's overwhelming or that like I failed or that I can't believe I made these mistakes or made these behaviors, you have to be integrous and not be manipulative about what evidence you choose to see because it's not an accurate and fair picture. Mm -hmm. And that's when you have to have the discipline to say, I know I believe this to be true because I'm triggered. I know I'm overwhelmed right now. I know I'm under full constraint. But do you really think if I put you in a court of law as an entrepreneur and had you tell the judge that, hey, I'm doing $1.7 million a year, but I've completely failed, when literally less than 9% of startups ever make it over six figures, mm -hmm. would you be willing to take that to trial? No. No. So we have to be willing to check ourselves when we're trying to take it in trial in our head. Mm -hmm. And I think it's an important thing to note that like our past, our experiences, our mistakes, if we look at them the right way, they become the best lessons and the best catapults to success that you can ever have. Yeah. But at first it requires that you don't see them as there's something wrong with you or that, mm -hmm. that you fucked up. And I was like, oh, you're going to try to tell me that you have this vision that's never been built before, that's nobody's ever created before. And because you didn't get it perfectly and you didn't bat a thousand that you failed, great. Name me one perfect professional sports athlete. Name me one athlete that wins every race. Name me one student that passes every test. Mm -hmm. Let's be congruent and authentic with ourselves and actually give ourselves the chance to succeed. Yeah. And I think it's an important part. Yeah. Yeah. That was a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, you, you stuck a, you're, you're sticking a quarter in me I know. and so I'm answering it about you while also not making it about you so that everybody else can listen as well. Yeah, no, it's good. So, okay. So I think recapping that for me, my biggest thing, if you're listening to this and I've shared this on the podcast that I've changed is that less like reactivity. So yeah. you also are the one who made, made me do the 10 minutes still in this practice, which I don't do it every day, but I try. Uh -huh. And you like got me to do that. So I think that, you know, that has been the biggest change. And the cool thing is I've been able to bring that into my team and realizing like, yeah, July and August were a really stressful time, but I still have tons of stress and things that happen and I just handle them differently now. Yeah, And I think that's something important to realize is like, it's not going to get easier. So you have to grow to be able to handle 
and you do such a great job with that where you can demonstrate like the huge things that you handle and you're like, oh yeah, you know, just part of the game, like no big deal. And I've watched you do that and learned to do that and had instances where my team has come to me and been like, oh my God, this and this and this happened. And I'm like, it's fine. Like, I'm not going to react to this right now. Yeah. And and so that's been a big change for me and changed the way that I like used to come to you with that reactivity mm-hmm. and live there. Mm-hmm. I thought that was normal. So I didn't yes. even realize I was doing it and just lived in that constant, like, like you're saying, just constant go, go, go. And this is urgent and this email and this message and this fire over here. And there's no way you can solve problems in that space or, and let alone get to the next level. Yes. A thousand percent. And I think, I think what's important there to put this into perspective, there's an incredible quote. I have it hanging up in the bathroom about the the Cherokee with the two wolves mm-hmm. and we'll read it to everybody in a minute. But um, what's so profound and powerful about this is that like, if we, if we take a moment right now and just reflect on when you started as an entrepreneur mm-hmm. and I was like, I want you to, for a moment to think back on like when you didn't make your first sale or when you were living in an apartment, you didn't have a dollar coming in and you made that first leap of faith mm-hmm. or you were making that first course and you'd never built tech before and you were turning on your first Facebook ad and it, you were petrified you were going to lose all your money, right? In those moments, all of those moments had one thing in common. Mm-hmm. You felt like your world was over. You felt like you were going to die. Yeah. You felt like it was there. But now what's funny is you can't even remember most of those moments right. because if you think back on them, you had the capacity the entire time to handle them and you handled them, right? Mm-hmm. The only difference in how well you handled them was based on the relationship with the evidence that was around you. Because here's the crazy thing about this. And this took me 39 years to get to almost at my default now most times mm-hmm. is that regardless of the situation, like one example that you've seen me witness is basically 10xing a company in a year being the most cash strapped we've ever been and then getting hit with a lawsuit that costs mm-hmm. $400,000 a month yeah. for 18 months in litigation. Yeah. Right? Like that was one of them. Yeah. Right. But no matter what I do, I cannot change the circumstance of that situation. Mm-hmm. Nothing, absolutely nothing, which means the lawsuit's still there. The evidence is still there. The court's still there. The trials are still there. And so then thinking about and understanding just at a base level myself and my life, regardless of psychology, regardless of anything, I can't think of a moment in my life where I've ever been so emotionally charged and made a decision that it's turned out in a positive benefit. But what's so nuts is that in that moment, the evidence is not going to change. But my ability to succeed can only happen if I choose the one way which is, hey, all this evidence is the same. And so I can either let it run me, let it overwhelm me and believe all this to be true or Mm -hmm. realize that none of the evidence is going to change anyways. So the only chance I have of success of getting forward is to allow myself the space to process these emotions and then choose to find the clarity or where I can focus my energy and my attention. It doesn't mean the feeling go away. It doesn't mean the pit in my stomach yeah. gets any less. It doesn't mean any of that. It just simply means that if I have a charge in my body, if I have an emotion, I don't get to make a decision. Right. I get to get some space and go lean into that because the evidence is the same. It's how I choose to see it. And 
I think one of my ways to recognize this is to go back and look at the things that have come up in my life. Like you're going to tell me that I can't figure out a lawsuit when I almost lost both my legs in 2005 in the middle of combat, or I had to relearn how to walk again, mm-hmm. or I recovered after attempting to take my life or, you know, you know what I mean? Like there's, there's so much evidence that's out there that what is directly in front of me is a fucking appetizer for the 30 course meals of trauma or experiences or challenges that I've ever had to face. But I'm just choosing not to remember that and to see that because I'm allowing the evidence that's around me mm-hmm. to change my view of the world rather than what I know to be true. Yeah. And I think that that's a huge part. And, and I'm saying this because of that stillness practice. And I think what's so important to understand is like, I'm not a billionaire yet, right? I'm not. Do I have it all figured out? No. Not at all. Am I on my track? Fuck yeah, I am. Does it feel easy at this point? Of course it does. But that is only a byproduct of focusing on the things that matter. Because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we all have the same thing in common. We are a human being with the same amount of time. That is what I have in common with everybody else. And so understanding that to be true, I also understand that my fastest path to success is consistency over a great span of time. Mm -hmm. And so my job is to eradicate anything that prevents me from being consistent, that gets me in that stagnation rabbit hole, that procrastination rabbit hole, the, oh, it's too hard, I'll do it tomorrow, and eating those frogs. But I realized that my ability to choose to eat that frog or not eat that frog came down to my confidence in myself. Yeah. But where the hell was I ever going to have confidence with myself when my entire day by design, from the moment I wake up, to the moment I go to bed is basically me being whoever the world wants me to be. Right. And that's where the stillness practice came in. And that came from a shaman saying to me, you've never been quiet enough to hear God's whispers because I kept saying, I don't know what I want. I don't know what to do. I don't know where to go. I don't know mm-hmm. how to do it. And he's like, well, where the fuck do you think the answer is going to come from? And he said it in some woo woo, you know, way better way. Um, you know, I'm just <laughs> you like, didn't say that. <laughs> I'm just like the truck driver shaman over here. Um, but it was a very profound statement to me. Yeah. And then I was like, all right, what would that look like? And then I would try to sit still and I couldn't sit still. I'd make it 30 seconds and I'd want to fucking run away from myself. And I'm like, oh, there's something here. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. And then I was like starting to remember, I'm like, how did I ever sit on an airplane without a movie or a phone? How did I ever take road trips? with like no music or radio in my car. Like how did I ever just sit there and wait for appointments? And I was like, oh, I did. And I functioned incredibly well, but I haven't used that muscle because the entire world around me is demanding and dictating my attention. But then I'm getting upset that when I'm hit with moments of pain or a lack of clarity or a place where I need to make a decision, I'm getting upset that I don't have the ability to make the decision, but yet the one relationship that would allow me to have it is the one that I don't invest any fucking time in. Yeah. You want to keep your monogamous relationship going, you invest in date night and filling your buckets. You want to keep your children happy, you invest in filling their buckets and spending time with them, but yet you want to be a fucking superhero and a rock star and have confidence in the ability to lean into your decisions. And then I say, well, how much time do you invest every day in being in a relationship with yourself and I'm Matt with a big fat fucking goose egg. Mm-hmm. But yet we expect this vehicle and this race car, this thing that's ours to have the confidence to go fucking on the track and win the race. But we've never even taken the time to see if there's a fucking owner's manual. Yeah. That's the problem. Yep. 
And so when you start to create these spaces, these spaces, what they are, spaces to learn how to be in a relationship with yourself, which is the first foundational step required to be able to even process or see emotions or see triggers and ask yourself, is this the time? Should I take this on? Is this a now or is this a later? Because without it, you don't have the capacity to even try. Mm -hmm. And it's as simple as, hey, spend 10 minutes alone a day. No phone, no notebook, just you. Yep. Drive in silence. Get on an airplane and sit in the seat the whole time. Yeah. When you go to the gym, work out in silence. When you go for a walk, leave your phone at home. Mm -hmm. And you have all the time and all the stuff in the world. And there's a reason that the best one-liners, the best metaphors, the most repeatable quotes, the most famous quotes are always simple and understanding, Mm -hmm. but they only work when you execute them. And this is no different. Yeah. Every single successful person that you look at has a morning routine and we obsess about their morning routines and what they're doing, but we never look underneath what they all have in common. Mm -hmm. And the more success that somebody has almost identically is a directly proportional amount of time they spend alone Mm -hmm. in thinking time, in processing time, or in self-exploration time. Yeah. And so we want the secrets that come from that. We want to use that superpower but yet we don't ever harness it or flex the muscle that will allow us to start using it. And that's the power of a stillness practice. Yeah. And it's a 10 minutes, a 15 minutes. I got up to a point where I was doing four hours a day. Wow. And I would work for 90 minutes, but everything I touched would turn to gold Mm -hmm. because I was just like so intentional and so clear. I'm like, I'm going to do that, that done. Yeah. I'm that, that done. It is the game changer. I will give you that. Yep. And, And so when you do it, We understand that it is a path. It is a step. It is a muscle. It is an action towards something new. And yes, we might struggle like, well, I don't see the immediate result. I don't do whatever. We're not. We're changing our awareness. We're trying something new. We're we're bringing this in. Mm -hmm. And then when we have the ability to flex it, we understand that that muscle is a tool in our toolbox. It doesn't mean we're going to choose it every time. Because now that we have the tool, it doesn't make it easier to use it, but we know that it's there. Mm-hmm. And when we get ruminating, when we get stuck, when we vox George and meltdown, the first thing he's going to ask you is, did you use the tool? Mm-hmm. And that's the next version of that muscle because it's still going to require this commitment yeah. to like, okay, cool. Oh, I'm triggered again. Fuck. Oh yeah. I normally do this. I normally do this. <sighs> and yeah. you like work your way into it, but you chunk it down. You movable middle it, right? You, what about Bob? It's baby steps. It's not let me go sit in silence for two hours. Yeah. It's let me go take a 10 minute walk without my phone. Yeah. Let me just go sit and breathe for four minutes Mm -hmm. and let me see if I have this tool. And if I pick it up and I give it a chance, if the tool will actually help me mitigate this, knowing it's not going to get rid of the feeling, it's not going to give you clarity. It's going to give you the tool that will allow you the space to process the feeling And then have the confidence to create your own clarity, which will allow you to act on one of those paths, which will protect your consistency, allowing you to break through that result or break through that barrier or break through that roadblock. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's it. 
All right, you guys. So that wraps part one of this episode. We shot it all in one part. And so part two, you can go find on George's podcast. It's already published and it's called The Mind of George and is anywhere that podcasts are. And if you were listening to this and you want more of George and I, we decided to do a live event. So April 14th through 16th, we're actually doing a very intimate live event, high touch here in Austin, Texas together. And both of us are amazing marketers, but when you combine us, it's like magic. And at this event, we're going to cover your marketing strategy, an entire day dedicated to your email marketing and teaching what George teaches, which is worth tens of thousands of dollars in planning out all different types of email sequences. We're going to talk about paid ads, basically come in and optimize your entire marketing strategy from beginning to end. And we've thrown in a lot of the things we're talking about here, like different entrepreneur um, sessions that are going to help you be a better CEO and uplevel your business and yourself and your mind and yourself in, in leadership and things that don't even fit on an event sales page, but are going to be so incredibly impactful. And I know this because I hang out with George all the time and I've been to his events. And when you combine us together, it's going to be amazing. And it's also going to be really intimate. Um, we're going to have a max of 30 people at this event. So it'll be a lot of time for actually like getting work done, making progress, not just a bunch of information. You guys know how I work. So if you want to come and do like the deepest dive in your marketing from your strategy to your ads to your content to your messaging to your email marketing all of that is going to be covered over this three-day period plus a lot of overall mindset and development and just expansion and transformation just send me a dm i'll send you the link um, I love talking with you guys who are deciding to join. So send me a DM if you're interested in that. Um, if you want to check it out, I would love to have you. Otherwise, I will see you guys on Thursday. Thanks for listening to the Not For Lazy Marketers podcast. If you love this episode and want deeper support with your marketing, head over to helpmystrategy.com to see how Hirsch Marketing can help take your marketing to the next level no matter where you're at today. We help our clients scale faster than ever, find hidden leaks in their funnel, experiment with new creative marketing strategies, and help their business explode and be more profitable than they ever dreamed possible. Head over to helpmystrategy.com and see if you qualify for a free strategy audit with Team Hirsch.